0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, my question today is about the liturgical year and the way that we as Catholics kind of schedule out the seasons, if you will, of the, of the calendar and of the faith. So we begin with Advent and then we have the Christmas season and then there's a little bit of ordinary time, Lent, Easter season and then we basically just go into ordinary time for the rest of the way and the question that I was having around this goes back to a couple of conversations we had before Um, mostly that we were talking about during when we're doing the liturgy of the word during the Easter season is when we bring out Acts of the Apostles basically the most throughout the season but that's when they were in hiding and not actually doing something. So every mass is obviously centric around Jesus as we relive um, the liturgy of the of the Eucharist. Whenever we do the Last Supper, um, we've discussed that. But when we talk about Lent and to a certain degree Advent, we're focusing really on Jesus's becoming his relationship with the Father, and the the Bible passage that comes to me a lot of that is the one that's from the beginning of lent when jesus goes out into the desert and says you don't test god you don't test the father and in a certain sense that kind of sets the tone for lent that we're becoming more pure to be closer to the father and then easter season is all about christ's resurrection and the conclusion of that is the holy spirit coming down and ultimately what my question is is why is there not the specific point in the calendar that we just essentially venerate the Holy Spirit for, you know, a 50 day period as we do with Easter. Um, Why is that not a thing or am I completely wrong in the way that I'm looking at this from a starting point?
1: Um, I sort of thought you were building a case that the Easter period was the veneration of the Holy Spirit.
0: Well, see, I, if that's what it is and I'm wrong, then that's, then that's then I'm wrong, then that's fine. But I, I always took it as, as the Easter season was venerating um, ultimately the power of Christ and the fact that he is God and the resurrection proves that. So kind of a very special way of extra veneration of, of Jesus himself. Um, and that's why I say was wondering because it, it felt like we just did God the Father kind of during Lent. Easter is is Jesus the Son. Why do we not have a period specifically of of the Holy Spirit? and then oh. that that's kind of how I interpret it. like I said it, it could be wrong in that, and if I am, please correct me because I don't want to okay. spread wrongness
1: yeah well i would I would actually <laughs> I would actually disagree with all of that, so fair enough <laughs> <laughs> uh in in this sense it's uh, it's dangerous to to separate too artificially the persons of the blessed Trinity. so a, a basic Catholic doctrine is that Anything that one of the persons does in the world, all three of the persons are doing in the world. And so uh, it's it's a little bit it's what's well, actually very artificial to try and separate out the persons and say, we're just going to focus on Jesus. We're just going to focus on the Holy Spirit. It's actually just not possible to do that. Jesus says very explicitly, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. If you hear me, you hear the father. I came not to reveal myself. I came to reveal the father. He who, who follows me uh, or he who yeah, sees me sees the Father. So um, you can't actually worship Jesus without worshiping the Father. It's not actually possible. And you can't worship Jesus except in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the only way that we can worship him is in the Holy Spirit. You can't say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us say, Abba, Father, and helps us to pray uh, through it as we ought. So, um, So you can't actually separate. The persons of the Trinity in a in in any kind of ex, you know meaningful way we can make distinctions and but everything that they're doing in creation it's always God and and when we talk about them being three persons in one God we really mean they are one God and so you can't worship one of the persons in exclusion to the other two persons and and we have to allow those categories because we are able to do that uh, more with human beings. Uh, Have a relationship with one human being without having a relationship with others, but even that's a little bit artificial, you know. It's this is what married couples always figure out is you can't actually have a relationship with your wife without having a relationship with her family. It's a now that's more separable uh, than in the in the members of the Trinity, but it's that kind of thing that makes it impossible to really separate the members of the Trinity. So, uh, um, so I wouldn't say you know Lent is actually Lent is really a preparation for Easter, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's entering into the desert with Jesus for that purification. Um, but it doesn't really focus on any of the members of the Trinity explicitly, it, other than focusing on the Paschal Mystery at the end of Lent, which is, of course, Jesus is going through the Paschal Mystery, but he's doing it in the Holy Spirit with, you know, for the Father. So the all three persons are really involved in in all of that. And likewise, the Easter season um, is, you know, it is all about Jesus and the resurrection, of course. That's the proof that he is God, and so that he is one with the Father, and everything he has taught us about the Father is actually true. And then he's really manifesting himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, so, you know, the Holy Spirit is certainly involved in all of that. So, just to kind of blow all of that open, Uh, but to take your point about uh, the focus on the Holy Spirit, and and part of the thing is that the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to focus on him because he's really all about revealing the Father and the Son. That's kind of the primary thing. He is mystery in himself. He doesn't even have a name. You know, you don't really, you wouldn't really address him as Holy Spirit. This is my friend, Holy Spirit, uh, it's really a description more than it's a name. He doesn't have a proper name. He doesn't have a real image. There are a lot of symbols of the Holy Spirit, but none of them is really the image of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, of course, has uh, the, the image of Jesus, and then Jesus is himself the image of the Father. So at least in Jesus and the Father, we have some kind of imagery. The Holy Spirit, we don't even really have an imagery. So the Holy Spirit is always kind of shoving people off to the, to the Father and the Son. That's like his whole role is moving people towards the Father and the Son. Because the Holy Spirit is love, but of course, love we don't normally think of as existing in a, in a, a substantive way. Love is always between persons. Well, he is the love of the Father and the Son. So you can, if you start looking at the Holy Spirit, he's going to l- move you toward the love of the Father for the Son, or he's going to move you towards the love of the Son for the father, he's, he's, he's constantly shifting outward, shifting to those other persons. And so he has a way of kind of, uh, preventing us from focusing so explicitly on him. It's, you know, it's, we sort of always see him in our peripheral vision. As soon as you turn to look at him, you you don't see him again. You're always seeing him in, in your peripheral vision. Having said all of that, uh, one of the ways we see the Holy Spirit manifest himself is in is in the grace being received by Christians. He is visible in the church. And so, uh, really, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is in the Acts of the Apostles. If we can say that the Gospels are really the life of Jesus, we could say that the Acts of the Apostles, and to a certain degree, the letters of uh, the, the Apostles, St. Peter, or St. Paul in particular, um, that they are the gospel of the Holy Spirit, that that's really where the Holy Spirit is the focus. The Holy Spirit is animating the early church. And so when we see that the choosing of deacons, when we see the resolution of doctrinal conflicts and circumcision at the Council of Jerusalem, when we see the missionary journeys of St. Paul, when we see the, the miracles worked and the, the, uh, the gospel proclaimed, all of that is is kind of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit whom we don't see in himself as a person. We see him at work in the apostles and in the early disciples. And, and so we are still living in the time of the Holy spirit. You might say, he is the one who is animating the church, the church, which is by the way, the mystical body of Christ and thus reveals the father, (laughs) you know? So again, we can't ever separate these things in any kind of definitive way, but, um, But it is primarily the action of the Holy Spirit that's being manifested through the the works of the apostles and in the the growth and and development, the spreading of the church.
0: Well, first off, thank you for correcting me and telling me I was wrong. Um, It's it's important to have that sometimes in life. So um, so you basically just broke down the the mystery there, or at least one of the mysteries of of the faith, the, the three persons in one God. And I know that in the past you have made reference that saying that there's even roots to it in the old Testament, whenever you were talking about Genesis, about how there would be three people and they kept referring to him in the singular form of the language. And I think that that's one of the things that people have a really hard time of, of, you know, articulating and kind of figuring out. And I definitely thank you for, for saying that. And to that note, you just mentioned that ongoing for our times now, you know, the church is the embodiment of Christ. And in doing so, there's some roles, in effect, or that you have to do because part of our goal is to try to get away from sin. And the ultimate example of being away from sin is Jesus. You know, he lived a, a sinless life. So, by common sense, He is the example of how to do this correctly, becoming more like him will help you do it more directly or more correctly just by going down that direction. And I wanted to, to talk a little bit about that because the church has many teachings about how to become closer to Christ. Some of them are very nuanced and some of them are pretty obvious and right in your face. And part of the tenet behind it is that every single one of these teachings is coming from the basis of the Holy Spirit, correct? In the sense that we're being guided always by the Holy Spirit. And I think that as people, especially in this time, whenever anyone can shoot out a message and feel that they're all important, it becomes more natural to, rebel against someone telling you something that you don't want to do even if it's going to help you in the long run if it's a short term in the way of something I want I don't want to listen to that and there's a divide that inevitably happens because at some point the short run does meet the long run it's never really defined on a map but you can feel it inside yourself when you're doing something in the short run that's not in line with the long run and i'd like to kind of take a minute here since we're all trying to become closer to to god of how to listen to the holy spirit and in by extension jesus and the father to become more pure and to not look at roles that are going to help us do that as bad roadblocks in the way and each of us individually are going to have different stumbling blocks upon what's what's the hard point for us right now in our lives? Um, I think that's natural. So I wanted to use this time here as we're talking about the Holy Spirit about how to listen better, essentially, and how to use that guidance to become better in following the road of Christ. Well, it's... uh, Yeah,
1: it's really it's really a matter of coming more alive. It's sort of like it's sort of like asking the question, you know, if you're, if you're five years old, and you want to grow, how do you how do you grow most effectively? Well, I mean, there's some answer to that, you know, you want to, like, eat the right food, and you want to have more or less the right activities, but um, it's not by focusing on growing. So it's by living, by living, we we end up growing. And, uh, and similar in the christian life that to let the holy spirit grow within us to grow in our relationship with god which is the holy spirit then we we need to not focus on growing we need to focus on being christian and the more that we focus on being christian and and nourishing our bodies with the right things uh, with prayer with our spiritual reading with the sacraments with uh, relationships with uh, other christians in service and charity, uh, self-sacrificing love—you know—as as we do those different activities, then we find that we are growing. We do them uh, more easily, we do them uh, more immediately, we do them more joyfully. You know, the perfections of virtue start to grow at the same time, and so again, we we really grow in the Holy Spirit by. He's, he's always kind of in our peripheral vision. By, by turning our attention more directly to him, it doesn't help us to see him more clearly. We, we see him most clearly as we become more like Jesus in the way that we live, in the way that we love, in the way that we pray. And, you know, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the you know, how, we, how we grow in him. It's by doing all of the things that we've talked about in all of our podcasts and uh, in living the Christian life, the, the Holy Spirit grows more within us to, to allow you know sort of that animation, uh, God's love to flow more through us.
0: Yeah, and that kind of covers some of the stuff that we had discussed before and that once you start going down the pathway of being more virtuous, regardless of which <laughs> virtue we're specifically talking about here, uh, it kind of becomes a little bit easier to do that the next day and, and the next day. And as I was mentioning, there are little short run steps that eventually make it a long run. You know, you, you can't can't run a marathon in one step. You need to take the first couple steps then the next couple steps, the next couple steps. And then next thing you know, you're 10 miles in. And then a couple of miles later, you've completed the marathon. So the way that the answer I just took from you there is this is the same way and that for most of us the hardest step is the first one um you know to to just start the process of, of of training into going and what i have found is that stepping back and not being mean but but just being truthfully objective of what am i doing now if If this keeps going and I keep going this direction, realistically, how is it going to work out? I think that that can be a good exercise. And sometimes when you're doing that, you realize, oh, I'm going left when I should be going, you know, right or vice versa. And it can be hard to turn in the current, you know, especially if you're making momentum going in the wrong direction. And that's why turning the right way can be very challenging, especially at first. And, you know, I think that that's something that the call to that, do that first step to just try something. And, you know, there's obviously going to be growing pains. For those of you who've been with us from the very beginning of this podcast, you can see how we just doing this has grown and become better. And I think that that's natural for everyone. You know, when you're in a first step of doing something, you know, sometimes people have a dwelling of going of one of the two extremes. They either look at eighty percent of my life is going perfect and just dwell on that one twenty percent that's not going out out the way they want, and it brings them all down, ignoring the fact that eighty percent of their life is going correctly, or there's the other extreme where we just bury our head in the sand and ignore the problem that's over here and there's lots of examples you know you can see people do that with their health or or which is relationships or, or whatever um and i'm assuming neither answer is perfect because each has their problems if you only dwell upon the problems you'll never joy in the good and if you only ignore your problems eventually they'll grow and it'll become a bigger issue so with that being said i think it would be good to kind of spend a moment or two on how to center ourselves, because I have to believe that the Holy Spirit is part of that guiding process. As you mentioned, that was part of his goal and job um, throughout.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in our last podcast, we mentioned the sort of weird challenges of attending the Eucharist, you know, having been cut off from it for nine weeks, and then now attending in strange ways, receiving communion at the end of mass, not having hymnals, sanitizing things, you know, spraying our neighbors with Lysol. I mean, all this kind of crazy whatever. Um, And uh, that's just one example of how the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing up the obstacles that we need to grow through. You know, it's uh, one of the things that we've noticed if we've been living for a few years is that things don't go our way. And we can look at that as an ongoing challenge to force all of reality to fit into our categories and behave according to our standards. Or we can see that there is another actor, that there is another principle at work, which is not ourselves. And that, in fact, we know in theology that that principle is, uh, you know, is, is the Lord, is his... Um, you know, that that principle is God's providence arranging all of reality to be the best configuration of things to help each one of us become a saint. And so, uh, you know, then we, we learn to give in. So we ask the question, well, how do I how do I grow now? Well, God has a way of bringing that up on his own. You know, our lives have a way of changing in 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 exactly the way that we need to grow through. So maybe there are a number of people who needed to grow in humility and God brings up this weird challenge with the mass where they're forced to say, I'm not in control. I don't agree with this, but what can I do? I surrender, I entrust myself to it. God has a bigger plan. And there are a lot of people growing in humility. There are are other people that needed to, to grow in other ways. and. Uh, God is providing that for everybody through the external circumstances that each person is is facing. And so uh, by by simply responding to reality in a Christ-like way, we have uh, all of the the right tests and stressors and challenges that we need in order to keep growing into saints to allow the Holy Spirit to really grow within us.
0: I think that's a beautiful message to end upon to, Call us to action in that particular way, as it will be different to each of us individually. So we thank everyone for out there for listening and being a part of today's episode. And we'll be with you again here next week.